Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Welcome to the MMA Fan Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Stu and Blake. Hello and welcome to the MMA Fan Podcast UFC 270 post-fight show catch-up type affair. Blake Harrison, how are you doing today? I'm very good, mate. Very good. How are you? I'm all right. I'm all right. We're recording this on the Monday. We're uh, we've been flat out, so it's the first time we've uh, we've got to sit down. And, and we should also say that we've we've been on the on the socials and the uh, and the, uh, the the texts and stuff like that. But we've not actually spoke about anything to do with the weekend's fights yet. No. So uh, so this is going to be good. Um, right. I think we just need to start right at the very top because I think we was all. Super hyped to see who was going to be arguably the baddest man on the planet. And two very big boys went to battle. Um, I'm just going to throw it out there right from the off. I was underwhelmed. Uh, yeah, I mean, I have to say, I I kind of wasn't. But in like, but I, I know what you mean. I know exactly what you mean. I didn't the expect. Them to stand there and trade. That was never going to happen. Do you know what I mean? But yeah. I just thought it was just a bit. Ugh. I know what you mean, but okay. The first two rounds for me played out exactly how I thought the entire fight would go. Mm-hmm. I thought Garn would be on the outside, pepper in with just tiny little strikes here and there, enough mm-hmm. to win the rounds. And I personally had him up two rounds to zero going into the third. That's yeah. how I thought the whole five rounds would go. Then Ngannou, like, sort of catches that front kick. Like, Garn wasn't taken down from a... Sh- Ngannou didn't shoot. He didn't go, oh, I'm going to wrestle him now because that's my path to victory. Garn missed a kick. And Ngannou, it looked like completely instinctively, just kind of slipped it, grabbed the leg and threw him up in the air and just, like, slammed him down. And because he was able to hold him there... I think then he went, oh, this is my path to victory. This is how I win the fight. I can out-wrestle this guy. And I did not see that coming. Mm-hmm. I really thought that Garn, if anything, had the better ground game because he submitted opponents before. When have you ever seen Engano submit anyone? Never. But Garn has done it in the UFC. So I thought, oh, he's probably got the better grappling. But clearly, um, uh, Extreme Couture under Eric Nixick, 
Ngannou, since that probably first Stipe fight, has been clearly, slowly, quietly working on his wrestling. Now, let's just be honest. Was his wrestling Khabib-esque? Was it amazing? No. It was enough. Did he land loads of damage from top position? No. He did enough. But what I found really exciting about it was this shift that was slightly dull striking for the first two rounds. Garn had it. Then all of a sudden, Nganu finds this path to victory almost by accident, it seems. Fourth round, shoots, gets a takedown, lays on him again. Not doing a huge amount of damage, but enough. And then that fifth round comes in. It's 2-2, which I always think is exciting when you've got a title fight. It's the sure. fifth round, and it's 2-all going into it. And Garn shoots for the takedown and gets it. And you're like, oh my God, okay, this is great. And then with the, one of the weirdest sweeps I've ever seen in my life that mm-hmm. I think wasn't necessarily the most technical. It just seemed like both guys were very, very tired and their grappling skills aren't great. So he just was able to get this sweep and put Garn on his back. And then again, basically lay on top of him. So I understand why you thought it was dull, but there were moments in there within it that I found quite exciting. I, I remember kind of just like in that fifth round, I literally shouted, oh, God's going to do it. Oh, what a sweep. <laughs> and I, I was just like, and then I was like, he'll hook, he'll hook. And I was, so I was quite in it. The fifth yeah, round, I, yeah. was, I was all for it. I was like, and again, this is coming from the perspective of someone that is very, very basic, basic, basic BJJ. Like, I know a couple of chokes and that's it. So I can enjoy this low-level form of grappling because it's I can understand it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Whereas yeah, yeah, all the, the kind of the, the proper BJJ guys out there and the proper grapplers probably be looking at that going, what the fuck am I watching in yeah. a high-level fight? One of those guys we'll get onto in a minute is probably mm-hmm. John Jones. He's probably looking at that. And I think he sent a tweet out going, I would fuck both these guys up. And the evidence that we saw, it's hard, you, uh, it's hard to argue against that. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I found, I found joy in some of the dullness, shall we say. Yeah, I, I, I get what you're saying. Um, I, I don't know why you just presume whenever Francis gets in that octagon that there's just going to be huge bombs being thrown and, and someone's, someone's going to get stopped. Uh, and, uh, you know... Uh, Garn just done what he needed to do for them first few rounds. Did just pepper them low kicks and, and just stay well out of range. And and Francis didn't at that point look too. Didn't look like he was rushing to sort of steam in and try and knock him out. I think you know he was sort of settling into the fight as well, which showed he had obviously clear respect for for Garn and Garn's you know abilities. But I just thought the. Yeah, the, I mean, the, what, one of the things I did love, which someone then sent me the picture of, but that that massive slam that uh, Francis done, the crowd's faces was absolutely incredible. <laughs> These huge wide eyes and mouths that, uh, as you just see, like that that crazy slam. Um, but yeah, I just think if they're the two best, and they are the two best at the moment, um, I think there's fighters in that division that would have looked at that and thought, okay, if I can use my cardio to stay out the way of them bombs of Francis uh, and get inside and wrestle, then I think that would have been a big confidence boost. Let's first of all talk, talk about John Jones because yes, he's been tweeting and undoubtedly Dana will give him the shot. 
Um, I'll tell you what, before we get on to that, let's talk about the relationship between Dana and and the winner. Because yeah. I was like, who's putting the strap around his belt? Uh, sorry, who's putting the strap around his waist? Because Dana wasn't even in the octagon. And I was Ooh. like, this is odd. He also um, didn't turn up to the press conference right. afterwards. That's right. And when Francis was asked about that, he was pretty pretty cool with it and you know very respectful didn't take any cheap shots and mm-hmm. and i think it's inevitable that the you know them sort of actions are just going to fan the flames of this which is not going away which is fighter pay uh and it's been all over social media anytime you read anything about the results and what people are taking away from this that fighter pay keeps coming up and i think francis made six hundred thousand dollars uh, for that win, I think it worked out that uh, I think what Wilder and Fury made in their last fight was five times more than the entire card made in the UFC. And so, I know we shouldn't compare to boxing, <laughs> but obviously boxing is 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 a combat sport, um, and it's you know, just you know, UFC appears to be just as popular as boxing, if not more, at the moment. It, it's so exciting, UFC at the moment, and there's ridiculous amounts of money involved in that. You know, sellout venue, pay per views, or whatever it was. You know, it would have generated a lot of money that fight. And when you look down through the payment of the other fighters, it's you know, ten ten thousand dollars. What's that in pounds? It's, it's not a lot once you've took your fight camp out of it and you. You know what you've got to eat, and you, if you've got dietitians, and, and when we spoke to, um, which fire was it that we spoke to that that was talking about having to get eye tests, um, and 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 the costs of that was it, um, was it Brett Johns? I don't sure. think it was. You know, it might maybe it was Mason Jones. It was another Mason Welsh Jones. boy. It was, it was Mason, Mason Jones. Jones. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And uh, yeah, just talking about. You know what's left at the end of the, you know at one, once all of them outgoings are done, there's not a lot left. And don't get me wrong, six hundred thousand dollars is a lot of money. But when you're being marketed as this the baddest man on the planet, and you're making that organisation serious, serious money, you have to, you know, you, these questions ain't going to go away. And and you know you've got people with such such media clout like. Jake Paul, which we've spoke about, just calling out Dana constantly, and and there be a lot of fighters on that UFC roster that are going to be a hundred and ten percent behind this. Whether they'll speak out about it, that's a different thing, um, because they want to be part of that organisation because it is the big one. But it does seem now that the baddest man on the planet should be earning, you know, money close to what. You know the heavyweight champion of the, the the boxing world should be earning should be closer to that and and I think Dana not putting that strap round his waist not being at the post fight press conference clearly shows there's there's some animosity between them two uh, whether Francis is being awkward or not if he's asking for more money then I think he's got every right to ask for more money in the position that he's in um, and. Would it make sense for him if it happens to go and earn 20, 30 million fighting Tyson Fury, win, lose or draw? Why not? Because how much money is there for him to to, to fight Cyril Garn again or to fight 
John Jones. I don't know. What 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 are your thoughts on all of this, Blake? Um, so there's a few interesting things. So one, <clears throat> California, unlike Vegas, release all of the kind of financial aspects of their kind of like sporting events like that and stuff. And I think I saw a statistic or something that um, the entire card cost the UFC just over two million dollars. Now. I don't know how much normally Dana White in the press conference would come out and say our gate was so and so million pounds, which is like how much it the arena and they took in from the arena and the sellouts of live tickets, which probably will gross. I would have thought over a million, but I, I don't know the statistics of that. And then obviously there's the pay per view buys, which would be I think mainly just America because obviously we're not. Uh, paying pay-per-view. <clears throat> there might be other countries like Canada or something like that that are, but right now I think they're talking about America. Now, the Americans, they've just had the pay-per-view price put up from 70 to $75 for a pay-per-view. Um, and if I think a lot of the UFC cards, something like this probably, I'm guessing, would have got somewhere between maybe six to 800,000 pay-per-view buys, maybe more. Maybe a bit less, but I think it would be in in that region. And at seventy-five at seventy-five dollars a pop. I don't I'm not Carol Vorderman, uh, so I don't know <laughs> what that figure would be. Eight hundred thousand times seventy-five, but I'd imagine that's a very, very large chunk of money. Not to mention all of the other TV revenue deals like BT Sport will be paying the UFC for this content and all those kinds of things. Not to mention crypto are sponsoring them. Not to mention the Venom deal with the that stuff. The Rock has just got involved with um, he's got some kind of shoe brand that are going to be the new footwear sponsor of the UFC. So there's a lot of money floating around. I don't know all of the accounts and how much they're paying. Let's be honest. <clears throat> to put a show like that together will cost them money in terms of, uh, you know, the crew, the lights, the little things that you don't think about, that all costs money. So I don't know the breakdowns of all these costs, but I imagine they're going to earn a lot, lot, lot more than the $2 million it costs to put this card on. So, yes, when we're talking about especially people like Francis Ngannou, who is, I think, incredibly marketable if they put his story out there more, who is the baddest man on the planet because say whatever you want about boxing and Tyson Fury and Jontae Wilder and all these people, as soon as someone grapples with them, what are they going to do? We've seen it before. MMA guys are going over to boxing because I think they're a little bit deluded at times and believe in themselves, but they know they can sort of handle it. There's no boxing guys coming over to MMA because they know for a fact they're going to get their legs kicked and they're going to get taken down. Just go back and watch James Tony. Yeah, and James so, Tony come. It, it did not go well. Yeah, so you know, um, so I, I, I don't know. I think that you know, fighter pay is going to be a conversation that's going on for a long, 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 long time uh, because the fighters won't unionize, and that's just down to them. It's an individual sport, and there's a mindset of it being an individual sport. So the whole idea of unionizing is just, I, it's just not going to happen anytime soon. I don't think. Um, but yeah, Christian. I don't know. Go on. Do you think John Jones will fight Francis Ngannou for six hundred grand? Well, John Jones would obviously get a lot more because John Jones's contract is a lot more, and the whole reason John Jones hasn't fought yet is because he's in con- more contract negotiations with the UFC. I imagine John Jones is getting over a mill a fight. Mm-hmm. I-, I bet he is. 
he probably he, he thinks he's probably worth six, seven, eight mil a fight. Um, but I reckon he's getting a mil a fight. Um, uh, the the problem really with with that as a question at the moment is that Engano's contract, because he's a champion, he has one fight left on his contract. But my understanding of it and his team's understanding of it is that it was a five year deal, which is up in December. Also. Francis Ngannou came out and said that his knees are fucked. He like tore his MCL, all that stuff. As you saw in the fight, he had the knee braces on, those kinds of things, or knee sleeves, whatever you want to call them. So is he going to have surgery? He said he might have to have surgery. So if he's going to have surgery and is then recovering from these quite severe, I think, knee injuries, he probably won't be back before probably like, I don't know, September, October at the earliest. Mm Mm-hmm. So, and then he's a free agent in December. So can they get a fight together with Francis Ngannou? If he signs a new contract, then for sure that fight's going to happen. But if he doesn't sign a new contract and he wants to test free agency because he likes the idea of, I hate the idea of him boxing Tyson Fury, but yeah, go on Ngannou, go and get your money. Like you've earned it. You've had a crazy life. Best of luck to you. But will I want to watch that fight? Hell no. I think it'll be boring as hell. Tyson Fury should be able to light him up pretty quickly. Um, but if they can negotiate a deal where he's getting paid a Miller fight, which is probably quite reasonable for someone of his stature, um, then, then yeah, I'd love to see him fight Jones. But I just don't know whether these contract negotiations are going to get done properly. Because, again, you've got to think about Ngannou's having contract problems, but so is Jones. Jones, yeah. as far as I'm aware, hasn't like solidified a new contract, which is what he was complaining about and saying he wanted to do and all that stuff. So you've got two very difficult people from the USC's perspective. I'm not saying they're difficult. They might be quite easy to work with and the UFC's just not giving them what they should be earning. I don't know. But um, but from the UFC's perspective, it's two people that you're like, God, this is going to be a hard negotiations and it's going to be one of the biggest fights ever. But it really could be. Ngannou versus John Jones, whether it happens in America or in, in a perfect world somewhere in Africa, would be... One of the biggest fights, I think, in UFC history. Will it reach the numbers of a Conor McGregor? Probably not. Mm-hmm. But it will be right, right up there. So, yeah, I, I, I'd love to see it. But I, whether we actually get it or not, I don't know. Because for Ngannou, as you say, why, why fight for 600 grand if you can go and get beaten up by Tyson Fury for 5, 10 mil? Or go to Bellator. Maybe, I don't know what Bellator's infrastructure is like and if they could afford to give Ngannou a Miller fight. But I tell you what, if I was Scott Coker, I'd be doing that. Imagine the Bellator taking the current UFC champion and making him their Bellator champion. That gives so much legitimacy to that organization. It makes perfect sense to do that. So, yeah, yeah, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. So where's this leave Cyril Garn? Um, Where does it leave Cyril Garn? Um, I think I think the future is actually still quite bright for Cyril Garn. Cyril Garn's very young. I think he's only in his like late twenties or something. Um, he is, I think, still a fantastic fighter. I think he was not expecting that approach from Engano, and he has realised what he needs to work on, which is a bit more cardio. Because when you're wrestling, it takes more out of you than when you're just bouncing around on your feet striking for the five rounds. And a bit more on the takedown defense and, and, and that kind of stuff. And I, I think then he's good. I think he's absolutely fine. I think he's a phenomenal fighter. I think 
he has what some people might consider to be a slightly dull approach when he's fighting people like Volkov and Ngannou and stuff, but he's definitely still someone that can win loads and loads of big fights. Um, and I mean, where does he go next? Could he fight Tai Tuivasa or, or Tom Aspinall if Tom Aspinall beats Volkov? I think they're really big fights. Tom Aspen. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, Volkov, Tom Aspinall. That's, I mean, Tom Aspinall was meant to fight Sh- uh, Shamil Abdurakahimov, who's ranked about... I don't know, 10th or 11th or something. Mm-hmm. And because they couldn't get a main event, I think they were expecting Darren Till and that uh, didn't materialize. They've given it to Tom Aspinall, heavyweight man against, against Volkov, who's ranked number five. Tom Aspinall has been saying for ages, ah, oh, take it slow, take it slow. If he beats Volkov, he's in the top five. And genuinely, his next fight could be for the belt because the UFC have made an interim title Three months after Ngannou beat Stipe. Well, so there could easily be a new interim title. If Ngannou says, I'm getting knee surgery, in two months the UFC could go, oh, we're going to make an interim title fight in the summer. Aspinall beats Volkov. Who? That's a perfect guy to take that fight, either against a Cyril Garn, although I don't like the idea of a guy who's just been beaten for a title going straight into an interim title fight. So I think Garn, I'd like to see him get one more. But Tom Aspinall faces the winner of Derek Lewis tied to Ivasa for an interim title fight. Sign me up. That's absolutely brilliant. And if Volkov beats Tom, which I hope he doesn't, then Volkov gets an interim title fight if that is going to happen, which, as I say, with the history of the UFC, that very much could be the next thing that we happen and we see happen very, very soon. Yeah. Okay. I think all the stuff in and around the fight is more exciting and interesting and, and, and more debatable than the actual fight itself. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Well, from one five round, from one five rounder to, uh, that, that, that I thought was underwhelming to another five rounder that I could watch 25 rounds of. Oh my God. Uh, we're talking obviously, uh, Figueredo versus Moreno three, um, bring on four. Yeah. I mean, never before. I don't think the UFC before have made a trilogy um, back to back to back. And they've done it with these guys. Let's make history again and make the tetralogy. Did I look that up? Yes, I did. Uh, What's it called? A tetralogy. Yeah, I would have thought it'd be like a... I know, I thought it'd be like quadrology or something like that. But no, it's a tetralogy. (laughs) I prefer quadrology. I know. Uh, But it's a tetralogy, or you could just call it a quartet of fights if you want to, guys. You're learning stuff here on the MMA Fan Podcast. Um, We're uh, we're, we're not the sharpest tools in the box. Uh, Full fight. Full (laughs) fight. No, come on, the tetralogy. (laughs) The tetralogy. Um, So, yeah. um, What a fight. I could, I just say, I... Would love it if they just signed a contract, say, right, we're going to just make these guys fight three more times and the rest of the division can just wait. <laughs> we're just going to wait. Because every single time these guys fight, it's brilliant. And the margins between them winning rounds was so, so small at times. Like I had, I had it 1-1 going into the third. I thought Figueredo won round one. Moreno run round two, high quality boxing and scrambles, all that stuff. Great. In round three, it was really close because as far as I said, with about 10 seconds or 15 seconds, whatever it was to go of round three, I was like, Moreno's won this round. And then he got knocked down. And I was like, oh my God, now you have to give it to Figgy because the knockdown matters. Mm -hmm. Round four comes out. It was more conservative, not as much action, but I felt like Moreno um, uh, did win that round. 
So 2-2 going into the fifth. And again, it was super close. But then the knockdown happened. Mm -hmm. And then Brandon Moreno was chasing, chasing, chasing because Figueredo had the knockdown, that most impactful strike. And uh, it seems like Figueredo's got the power edge. But if Figueredo doesn't get the knockdown in round three or round five, and it just kind of plays out. Moreno, I think, wins that fight. It's the knockdown. So it's, it's that kind of thing of Moreno's durability is brilliant, but he's still got knocked down. And Figueredo's power is what edged it for him. But in terms of the skill set of these fighters, they are so evenly matched. And I could, as you say, give me 25 rounds of this. It's incredible. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I totally agree with um, how you saw that, and I I, I see it as, as as two apiece going into the fifth. Um, it felt to me Figgy was more aggressive in the fight. Um, I thought the leg kicks were were, were very good. Um, obviously, I wanted uh, Moreno to win. Uh, the the crowd there was was incredible, it, it, and the, the fact that uh, Figgy said, "Let's roll this back in Mexico," uh, uh, that's going to be ridiculous. He walked that back in the press conference a bit, I think. From what I've heard, oh, he, he, really? kind of, he was in the press conference. He was like, oh, well, nah. And he kind of walked about. I think he made a joke about him and Henry Cejudo not getting out of there alive, <laughs> which is maybe true. Oh, um, Cejudo's big head. Uh, like, no. He could not get it off the camera. And he kept looking up at the monitor to see himself as well. I thought, oh, you God. douche. But I mean, let's talk. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems but getting therapy has its own problems too like finding the right therapist fitting into their schedule and of course the cost well BetterHelp can solve those problems it's totally online and built around your schedule it's surprisingly affordable too connect with a credentialed therapist by phone video or online chat all from the comfort of your home visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month that's better help. H E L P. Sahudo for a moment because he's been brought in, you know, as a what an assistant coach? Would you say now? Well, no, um, well, it's, it's it's Eric Albaracine, isn't it? Is it exactly. fight ready? And and yeah. Cejudo is like very much a big part of that as well Mate. now. So he's and, got a champ there. Uh, I believe he's got. Well, obviously John Jones. He's doing lots of stuff yeah. with uh, there. Jane Wei Li, obviously, yep. she fell short against Rose, obviously, but a, a vastly improved performance. Again, tight, uh, tight, yeah, tight, very tight. That could have. I think I can't really remember. I wonder if I did actually score that for Jane. No, maybe I, I can't remember. I can't. But I remember it being tight. Um, 
So, yeah, I mean, Cejudo, yeah, obviously doing very, very well in his new kind of coaching role. Um, but I think he wants to get back in there and fight as well. Um, but it's, he's just, I think he's made a mistake of thinking he was a bigger deal than what he actually was for the UFC. And I think he rolled the dice thinking they'll come to me with more money if I retire double champion. And they've gone, no, it's fine. We're moving on. And the UFC's perfectly fine without him because 125 has never been more exciting. These two are incredible. 135 is still, I think, one of the most talent-stacked, if not the most talent-stacked division in the UFC. And Petr Jan looks like an incredible champion that could go on and on and on and be dominant. So, yeah, I think he's definitely overplayed his hand there. But he's keeping himself in the limelight with his coaching and his social media game and all that stuff, like it or love it. Um, is Here's a question. Has Figueredo made himself quite unlikable. Massively. Massively. Uh, stare down, giving him the finger, uh, you know, the, the, the booze the minute he come out. Um, just, uh, and it doesn't help that he's fighting someone so likable. Yes. You know, that that's, there's no point trying to play the good guy when you're fighting Brandon Moreno because it's not going to, it's not going to sell, you know, fights. It's not going to sell the fight. You've got to, I think he's realised he's never going to be the good guy in in these fights because everybody loves Brandon Moreno. So I think he's thinking, right, well let's 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 create a bit more of a persona for me. And like the fact he's got Cejudo there as well, and they're trying to make this kind of history between them. And yeah, I think I don't think he's very likable. I think he was, you know, he, he was very respectful with his once he'd got that belt round his waist, and then you know, starts saying about, let's go and run this back in Mexico and then re- yeah. retracts that from what you tell me. So, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I don't think he he's called, very likeable. He called Moreno a crybaby before and after the fight. Like, even, in, again, in the post-fight press conference, I think he was calling him a bit of a baby and stuff. Um, and, uh, yeah, and, and then also pushing him after the third round. And, I mean, I think I got a little bit too on the side of Brandon Moreno. Sean Sheehan, we, uh, lovely guest we've had previously on this uh, podcast, journalist, um, he uh, he said to us, when you're scoring fights, you need to, uh, to need to look at it as fighter A versus fighter B. And that's how you score the fights. It's very difficult to see them as fighter A and fighter B when one of them is this Lego-collecting Mexican sweetheart that I love. And then the other one... He's calling him a crybaby, pushing him after round three, uh, giving this stupid narrative about like, oh, you betrayed Henry Cejudo because you trained with uh, Joseph Benavidez and all this stuff. It just and just generally being a bit of a dick. And then um, to the point where at the end of the fifth round, he sort of lands a body shot ever so slightly after the bell that when you watch the replay you're like ah oh, no it's just in action but at the live action point in that moment I like jumped off the sofa I was like he's him after the bell because I was so <laughs> furious that I thought Figueredo had won and he had and I was so like wanted Moreno to do better that I was just shouting he's hit him after the bell <laughs> just like really but angrily this is the MMA fan podcast you know Sean does Sean's thing, and he's great. He is, he's, he knows the stats. He knows the scoring criteria like the back of his hand. We're always going to be heart overhead, man. It's what we do. Yeah. We're gonna, you know, yeah. we we t- you know we're we're gonna talk about the ones that we love and the ones that we don't like quite so much. And you know, we'll throw some stats in there, but you know, the 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 technical stuff that's Sean's bag, and he is the don. Um, 
but yeah, I, I'm I'm just going to always be the guy that really wants the uh, the guy that loves his Lego to win. Yeah, who doesn't? Who doesn't love the Lego? <laughs> um, but yeah, so I mean, I want to see the fourth fight. However, if the UFC want to mix it up a bit, then there is the winner of Askarov Kaikara France. That fight's coming soon. Kaikara France has got a lot of buzz behind him after the Garbrandt fight, and if he were to be able to smash through Askarov, which I I think would be really tough ask. Askarov's great. But if he can pull something out of the bag and knock him out, get a, get a, a stoppage win over Askarov, I think, I think you give him the fight against Figueredo and you save Moreno for another day. Um, but having said that... Well, what, what, what does he do? Who, Moreno? Yeah. What if that happens? If that happens, Moreno can just take a break and then fight the winner. And I still think he's the number one guy and could walk into any title fight yeah. at 125 pounds, whether it's Cara France, whether it's Figueredo. I don't think it matters. Just mm-hmm. give him the title shot. Huge star in Mexico. They love him. A Mexican born champion means a lot. You could hear the partisan crowd because California is so close to, uh, to Mexico. And so you, you can see yeah. that, you know, the Mexican fan base have traveled up to California. The UFC love that. They want to fill that place out. Those guys, Figueredo Moreno could probably easily headline a card. And 125ers don't usually headline anything. They could headline a card in Mexico or Brazil probably very, very easily. And there's a Brazil card rumored for maybe like early summer, late spring. Whether Figueredo would be ready by then, I don't know. But maybe... uh, they would fight in Brazil, maybe Cara France versus Figueiredo in Brazil. That, is that, that the, could happen. Is, that, is there anyone else announcing that card? Is that the no. Teixeira fight? It's well, oh, it might, I'm not sure. To be honest, I don't know. Okay, I don't know. But there's a rumored Brazil card coming, so okay. I don't know. But yeah, so there you go. Um, in terms of other fights on the card, unless there's anything else you want to say about that fight. No, there's there's more wild Brazilians I want to talk about. Oh, yeah, boy! <laughs> my man, my favourite guy, Michelle Pereira. Oh, I love Michelle Pereira. He has got so much more technical, and, and uh, he is far better at conserving his gas tank than he ever won. He's not as wild and crazy as what I fell in love with with his early fights, but... This is evolution. He's developed. He's become a better fighter. And, and sometimes the wildness comes out every now and again. He's on he's a still roll now ex- as well, isn't he? Oh, yeah. He's, he's, he's on a four-fight win streak now. And it should really be five because he was lighting up Diego Against, Sanchez. Uh, Sanchez, yeah. Yeah, and he got he did that illegal knee. So, you know, really he should be on a five-fight win streak. Um, but Fialo looked good. I think that was his UFC debut, Fialo. And he... Looked good. I've not seen Michelle Pereira struggle so much on the feet with someone before because I gave Fialo that first round and Fialo outstruck him and I was super surprised to see that. However, Pereira came back in round two, was really successful, knees to the body, great one-two. He that kind of jab, that one-two shot. He was landing that right hand really well in that second round. And then they came out and I loved the start of that third round, the way they both kind of hugged and took a moment. They took a few seconds to give up. All day long. I love a bit of that. That's great. That respect. Love it. Um, and then, yeah, and then I gave Pereira that f- third round. Uh, so I, I gave it 2-1 Pereira. I, I thought the judges got that right. Incredible fight. Where do we see him next? Well, it's tricky. So he was originally booked on this card to fight Muslim Salikov, who I think mm-hmm. is ranked either 15th or 14th. You could rebook that fight. 
but it, it maybe doesn't have as much excitement. And I think with an extra win, he's maybe earned a slightly bigger name. Muslim, Muslim Salikov's a great fighter, but he's not a big name. And I think it'd be nicer to give Michelle Pereira someone ranked that's a bigger name. Now, people out there that you could go for are like Li Jingliang, who just lost to Hamzat Shemaev. He's ranked. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what ranking he is, but he's ranked. Um, and uh, Ponzinibbio. Ponzinibbio is another fighter that you think, well, he's a, a much bigger name than like Muslim Salikov or a Jeff Neal or something like that. So I think you could definitely make those two fights. However, if you wanted to get a little bit crazy. I know where you're going with this. Oh, you could get oh, a bit crazy. Oh. He maybe doesn't deserve to fight someone this highly ranked. Come but on. we all want to have building it. I'm building it, mate. We all want to have a bit of fun. <laughs> we all love the striking. We all yep. want to have a bit of fun. The yep. guy that I'm thinking of, I think, is riding a two-fight losing streak or Correct. something like that. And, you know, he can't necessarily turn down fights. Throw him in against Wonderboy, baby. Yes, <laughs> Let's have yes. some fun. <laughs> when I was looking at this earlier, I was thinking, what's next? I was thinking... That's the one. I don't want to see him being mauled by a Kiesa. I don't want to see that. I think, come on, give us a fun fight. Give us Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, because that will be some video game shit going down there. That's it, what I want. It'll be, it'll be so much fun. It'll just like, like meritocracy-wise, are there people that probably deserve to fight a top 10 guy like Wonderboy that beh- that's behind him? Yeah, probably. But it'll just be so good. It's so much fun. So look, if they book, rebook the Salakov fight, fine, bit dull. If they put him against like Li Jingliang, Jeff Neal, someone like that, then Ponzinibbio, then yeah, that's probably about the right range. That kind of 15 to 11 range of fighter makes sense. Wonderboy currently is ranked seventh. Again, I, I, seventh is probably higher than what he deserves, but fuck it. Fuck it. Let's have some fun. That would be so much fun. It could headline a main event in like a fight night somewhere. Could be really good fun. If there's a fight night in Brazil rather than a pay-per-view card, Pereira versus Wonderboy. What a great fight to headline a Brazil fight night card. That'd be so much fun. Um, And give him five rounds. See if he can do five rounds. Yeah. Otherwise, you can stick Pereira on any pay-per-view card. He can open the card. He can co-main. He can whatever the hell it is on a pay-per-view card. And people are going to tune in if you know your MMA because you know that guy is guaranteed excitement. And against someone like Wonderboy, that'd be fantastic. So that's what I'd like to see. That's what my heart's wanting. But my head's thinking maybe they'll slow it down a bit and give him one of the other names I mentioned. I love the fact the fact that you just jumped him in my wild card. I thought I'm going to throw this one at Blake, and he's going to go. There's no chance. You had it in mind as well. I'm loving this. Of course, loving some, this. That's the thing. Sometimes you've got to just throw out the rule book and just go rogue and go. Let's. It's MMA. It's supposed to be fun. We want people to earn loads of money doing this job. Yes, we take the titles seriously. Yes, we want to have the best champions, all that stuff, and people need to earn the right for X, Y, and Z. But let's be honest, Wonderboy's on a two-fight losing streak, and as much as I love Wonderboy, he's not getting a title shot anytime soon. Give him some fights where we think, Wonderboy could win that fight. And we all want... If Wonderboy puts two wins together, he's back in that kind of top five 
possible title contender type chat. And no one's going to be angry with that because we all love Wonderboy. But if Michelle Pereira comes in, beats Wonderboy and gets in ranked seventh, and all of a sudden he's fighting a top te- another top 10 guy after that, you could have one of the most exciting fighters on the UFC roster a fight or so away from a, a title contention. And I mean, Absolutely. if there's anyone in the world that other than maybe Hamzat Shemaev at the moment that you go, well, Usman should win, but fuck me, this guy's wild. How do you train for Michelle yeah. Pereira? How do you do it? He's just crazy. So yeah. And if I was Michelle Pereira and you got some kind of fight against like someone like Usman, I think you just go, uh, let's just, let's just pretend this is a two round fight. And just go yeah. nuts and just see if yeah. you can win. And if you if you if he's if Usman's still in the fight after two rounds, you just go, oh, I gave it my best shot. I'm probably going to get worked yeah. now. But just treat it like a yeah. two round fight and just go nuts. I'd love it. Back Definitely. flipping. Um. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff: shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Well, we we spoke about uh, the, you know what would be such a fun fight. I tell you, you didn't have a fun night, and that was Cody Stamen um, said Nurmagomedov. Woo! Statement made. Boom. Yeah, yeah. Said Nurmagomedov is looking really, really good at the moment. Um, he what was his what's his record? He's on a he's only on a two fight win streak at the moment. He mm. lost to uh, Honey Barcelos by decision, and Honey Barcelos is great, but he lost to Victor Henry in another mm. cracking fight on the prelims. If you haven't seen that fight on the prelims, check that out. Victor Henry Honey Barcelos. Wow, that was a really cracking fight as well. But Said Nurmagomedov is a really special guy. He's got those. He's he's kind of I said it before Zabit esque. He's got that kind of, he's from that Dagestan, Russian, but striker. He throws the spinning kicks. He throws the exciting uh, spinning elbows and spinning punches, uh, spinning back fists. Uh, But he's clearly got some of the grappling to back it up. And then you've come through the ranks of Dagestan. If you're a striker, I'm sure you can still wrestle pretty darn well. And he defended that takedown with a guillotine choke that was, again, kind of one of those guillotine chokes that wasn't the traditional guillotine, but that kind of, Rear naked choke lock where they grab the bicep and throw the arm over and all that stuff. Locked it in so tight and then rolled him over and got that tap. And the only reason that happened is because Stamen got caught with a spin it back fist and felt a bit of that power and realized, shit, this guy is going to smash me on the feet. So I need to get this to the ground and was desperate for that takedown. It left his neck exposed and boom, Nurmagomedov just, just done him. And he is looking... Like he should be getting again. I say it about a lot of bantamweights at the moment. There's only so many ranked positions available, but 
But there's so yeah. many of them outside the rankings that should be getting ranked opponents. I mean, Said Nurmagomedov, again, he's only on a two-fight win streak, but he's got some good wins. Cody Stamen is a big, big win. Um, is probably the, a bigger name than someone like Jack Shaw's had, even though Jack Shaw's on like what, like a four-fight UFC win streak right now. Mm-hmm. And I think Jack Shaw deserves uh, a ranked guy, and he's got going to have his hands full with Usman Nurmagomedov uh, on the UFC London card, um, who's another undefeated fighter. So yeah, there's so many amazing fighters at bantamweight, and and Said Nurmagomedov is looking really, really special. Um, he's asked for Cheeto Vera. What do you think of that? Yeah, I'm down for that. I, I don't know if he's earned that, um, but I'm down with that. I think that'd be a great fight. Why are you not on board? I don't. I don't know. I. I kind of think well, Vera's ranked where he's ranked eighth. So, I mean, uh, maybe I'm being a bit hypocritical because I'm giving Michelle Pereira a chance, but he's... He, but, <laughs> you, you were talking about him and Usman a minute ago. <laughs> I know. But Michelle Pereira's on a four-fight win streak. Yeah. Whereas um, Said Nurmagomedov's only on a two-fight win streak. So I think Nurmagomedov needs to work his way up a little bit more. Could he get a ranked opponent now? Yes, absolutely. Ricky Simone is out there who just got a great win against the Sun Sal. Uh, Has he got anything in the pipeline? Who, Ricky Simone? Yeah. I don't think so because he only recently beat a Sun Sal, so I don't think he does. Um, Song Yudong, I'm not sure if he's got a fight booked yet. Um, and then there's Pedro Munoz as well, I don't think he's booked in a fight yet. And he lost to Dominic Cruz only recently, and he's on like a two-fight losing streak or something. So when you get these guys on losing streaks that are ranked in the top 15... If they're on a two or three fight losing streak, I don't think they've got much leverage to say no to fighting yeah. an unranked guy. I think they've got to do it and they've got to prove that they're worthy of the number being next to their name by beating a legit unranked prospect like yeah. Nurmagomedov's, Jack Shaw's and people like that. So I think I think Marlon Vera, after beating Frankie Edgar and beating uh, Davy Grant, Probably looks at Said Nurmagomedov and goes, "What's in this for me?" Yeah, and I'd say there's not much. Yeah, that that's that 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 certainly sways in Nurmagomedov's favour more than it does in uh, in Cheetos. Well, yeah. Just moving up to 170 now, uh, Michael Morales looked devastating. I thought. Yeah, big first round count. Isn't it funny how we've had a few of these debuts recently where the person debuting this young guy, whether it be Paddy Pimblett, Ian Gary. Michael Morales, they get hit with a big shot. They get like yeah. either rocks or hit with a big shot early, but then come back and get their knockout victory in round one. It all happens in round one. Their debuts are this kind of whirl, this tornado of of, of excitement and uh, and like overcoming a little bit of uh, of adversity before getting a phenomenal finish. And Michael Morales fell into that category. I don't know much about Michael Morales other than the fact that I think he's undefeated. He's about twenty two or twenty three years old. So the future looks bright. Trevon Giles is no mug. He's a very good fighter. But I think just Trevon Giles, was he previously at middleweight and dropped down? And I think that weight cut does stuff to your durability. It does stuff to your chin. So, yeah, I don't know how much that would have affected things or not. Okay. Well, we can. Uh, is, is there any fights on the prelims you want to talk about? I have not seen the fight pass prelims. I've seen some very interesting 
um, bits on social media, uh, Joe Rogan uh, carrying a certain fighter around the octagon. Um, <laughs> that was great. Right. Um, yeah. What do you know about that? I don't know much about it. I watched the fight. So mm-hmm. uh, Vanessa Dumopoulos uh, beat uh, Gomez Juarez by, um, by armbar, but it came in quite interesting fashion in that um, uh, Demopoulos ate a huge right hand. I mean, it sent her to the moon. And then she went down and somehow Gomez Juarez just just went in maybe a bit too recklessly or whatever because she ended up in an armbar very, very quickly. And Demopoulos was able to use it and and, and get a get the win in the first round, get a tap out. Um, and then she, she gets to the post-fight interview. Joe Rogan comes up and she's like, oh my God, yeah, Joe Rogan! And like high-fives him and stuff. <laughs> and then does her interview and then just gets him to carry her off like a princess. And Joe Rogan was more than happy to do it and good on him. Um, Absolutely. So, yeah, it, it, was, it was a lovely sight to see. It was pretty good. Um and, grab your moment. Uh, and yeah, and she did grab her moment. If that fight was on the main card, everyone would be talking a bit. It would uh, talking about it. It would be the new Chris Barnett situation. Yeah. But unfortunately for her, it was on the fight past brilliance, which not many people saw. Um but yeah, you said you saw some stuff on social media or something. Was it was it just a carry off? Yeah, it was. I just thought it was great. I just thought what an excellent moment. Just jump into Joe's arms and uh you know that's going to go viral and yeah. Good on her. And I think, uh, I think it's then come out that her, her, her background was a stripper uh, in, 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 in a bar or wherever it was. And, yep. you know, incredible. Like, great backstory. And to then cease that moment, you know, with Joe, you know, that's, that's how we get, you know, your Chris Barnett. You get these superstars yeah. that just seize the moment and, and absolutely. Oh, speaking about that. Speaking about that's the other thing she did. She jumped into the splits as a celebration. So where Chris Barnett did the fat boy front flip. Um, Demopolis leapt into the air and landed in the splits I think I think as well I I hope I've got this right she said that some of her BJJ was definitely helped by pole dancing yes yeah well I mean it would probably strip if you're sliding up and down a pole or whatever and you're using just like your leg strength to to hold your body weight and well you probably pretty strong legs so yeah I'm not surprised by that but uh, but yeah, so she had a phenomenal performance. Great post fight interview, great celebration, all that stuff. Um, the other fight on the card that I mentioned earlier, Victor Henry Henry uh, versus uh, Rony Barcelos. What a fight that was at 135 pounds. All action, incredible pace, phenomenal fight. Check that one out. And the other um, all action one round fight was Frivola versus Valdez. Jeez Louise, that was some fight. And then Frivola, who won that fight by a knockout. I felt like the fight maybe could have been stopped a bit earlier. I felt Mike yeah, Beltran... Yeah, I totally agree with you there. Mike Beltran maybe let it go a little bit too long, I think, because he knocked this guy down. He knocked that Valdez down about four times in quick succession. Mm. And the fight just kept going. And I was like, all right, mate, we could we could stop this now. Um, yeah. But uh, then Frivola apparently has called out Paddy Pimblett. So I know Paddy's Ooh. got a fight booked. or He's on the March card. But... Um, yeah, I, I, if if he wins that, maybe Frivola's a good shout. I don't know. Interesting that they're calling out Paddy. They know that he's uh, he's a name now, don't they? They know they that do. the the fans love him and the UFC seem to love Paddy. And you know, there's a lot of marketing going into him. But I mean, yes, he's got a fight booked in London, and 
Oh, I mean, that's not going to... Well, let, let's hope that Paddy gets the win. I'm sure he will. Um, that's not going to hinder his superstardom walking out into London because that's going to be huge. Yeah. Anyway. Speaking of London... We're all been, we've all been a little bit worried about you, mate. Yeah. Like, there's been a, an announcement today and uh, yep. we know you're... Your your love for Dan Hooker, um, you've spoke openly about your your embrace with Arnold Allen and the power and the and the shape of his back. Yeah. Um, Arnold's obviously a fan of a, 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 a friend of the show. They're fighting. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a dark fight. it's a dark day. It's mm. a dark dark day. Um, what can you say? Why why would Two such remarkable men. Yeah. <laughs> Why are you laughing? I'm not. They're, they're, they laughing? are remarkable men. They're remarkable men. They're gorgeous athletes. You know, yeah. the, the spirit of Dan Hooker taking that Makachev fight, your balls of steel, mm-hmm. matched by. God, a back of steel. A back of, I mean, Arnold Allen. Those traps are something else, man. When I when I hugged him, when I held him, when I held him so tight, <laughs> <laughs> his his back was unbelievable. Um, was man, solid. what a fight, man! What it's a, a great, fight. it's a great fight. I am a little bit sad about it though, <laughs> but it's a phenomenal fight. Look, cards on the table. I'm a British MMA fan. Arnold Allen has been on our show, but I have to go with Arnold Allen. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's, there's, there just has to be done. There's no questions. It, that's what has to happen. However, if both fighters decide not to fight each other, but instead just hug, maybe grab a microphone and talk about the respect they have for, the, for each other, yeah. maybe shout me out, maybe bring me in the cage, maybe, yeah. maybe lift me into the air, the two of them, just, yeah. and embrace me. The way that I embraced Arnold Allen's back, maybe then you know you, that'd well, be a lovely you thing. Sing, you could sing "You Raise Me Up" in in falsetto, maybe that'd be lovely. You raise me up. <laughs> oh, don't mate, you'll start me off. Oh, man. It's getting I too know, emotional. Yeah. It's getting too. It's too emotional. It's too emotional. But no, phenomenal fight, and that's the co-main. Didn't Aspinall see Volkov, that coming. Right? No, I really thought they made Aspinall Volkov because they couldn't get Till and they couldn't work out um, Arnold Allen. Dan Hooker, because Arnold Allen, Dan Hooker's worthy of a main event, for sure. For sure that's worthy of a main event. Um, I wonder if there was a situation in the negotiations where Dan Hooker went, look, it's my first time back down at featherweight, don't put me in a five-round fight. <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah. Um, um, so, yeah. It's, uh, it, I did not see that coming, and it, it, it popped up on the socials this morning, and it was like, ooh, like that's, uh, I mean, it, it's a big name for Arnold Allen, and you know we've been so desperate to see Arnold back in the octagon. He, you know, he had some injuries last year, and you know, just seeing some incredible videos of him lifting, doing like strongman training with his dad, lifting them great big rock balls or whatever you call them, and mm-hmm. uh, putting some great sort of stuff up on, um, so uh, on his YouTube channel, training with his dad, like former strongman, and. Oh, it looks great, and it's 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 just a great fight to see. And you know, like you love Dan Hooker, like what an absolute G. And to see them both 
get this fight. I, I think he's a brilliant for the London card. I think people love Arnold. I think there'll be a lot of respect for Dan Hooker from the crowd as well. I think yeah. everybody yeah. loves him. He's a fan favourite. Um, yeah, it just adds to what what's shaping up to be an incredible card. And yeah. Yeah, well, hopefully we'll uh, we'll be able to do some episodes based around the the London card when that when that happens. A bit like what we did back in September, and we can get all yep. your your favourites. Hopefully, we'll re get you know the the likes of Molly McCann and Paddy Pimblet, Aspinall, Arnold Jack. Allen, or Jack Shaw, uh, uh, all all back on the show. Uh, so mm. we'll, we'll do our best to do that for you, and you can listen out for that uh, in a couple of months. Absolutely. There's another episode coming uh, next week for you lot. Blake and I sat down and went through the current champs. Thank Oh, it changed, didn't it, this weekend, one of them. Um, we uh, yeah. we spoke about the current champs and, and how we see this year ending. You know, we've all kind of gone for... That the, the fights we think may happen, may not happen, and and who may come back into the UFC, who may not, and and then yeah, we all kind of make our little choices, and uh, and it's a really fun show, and that'll be out next week. Um, yeah, we're, we're just, hoping that maybe we can uh, <laughs> at the end of the year, come the thirty first of December, twenty twenty two, we'll maybe have a little look back at our predictions that we made and yeah. see how wrong we were about who ends up as champions at the mm. end of the year. Uh, and I'm already have messed up on a couple of them. <laughs> so, <laughs> and there's only been two title fights. <laughs> so, uh, although if we get, if we get, uh, if we get another a rematch between Figgy and Moreno, maybe it'll change, but, uh, but have a listen to that. Should, for all of them. Should you need any more uh, convincing that Sean Sheehan knows exactly what he's doing and me and him ain't got a fucking clue, that that could be the episode. <laughs> right, okay, we'll be back next time. In the meantime, um, if you're looking for some more MMA chat, go check out the, the back catalogue because uh, there's a big stack of, of ace chats with um, all of them British fighters that we've just mentioned. Go check out some of them. Some of them have been on a few times. And then, you know, if you, this is your first time listening, we always shout it out, but we've had Tyron Woodley on this podcast. Um, we've had Volkanovski on this podcast. Uh, gosh, we, we, we've had some we've had some big names. And this Sunday, I'm not going to say how it is yet, but we have got a huge name um, lined up. And if, if all stays as it is at the moment, we're going to have a great episode, Touchwood, for you. So, uh, yeah, the best thing to do, subscribe, and then you won't miss any of them. Harrison, we're back next time, right? We are. We're back next time. See you later, guys, and enjoy all the fights. Bye.